What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for movies that have been remade, rebooted, have sequels to them, and have otherwise been done before. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And we are talking about the new film, The Upside, the American remake of the French movie, The Intouchables. And I need to get both those titles out of the way, because I've been forgetting them both all week. And they're very generic-ish names. Well, and it sounds like every other movie ever. The Untouchables. Untouchables, Untouchables, I always kept, I've been messing it up. And I think in the UK, The Untouchables is known as The Untouchables, so it becomes just baffling. (laughs) All week, I've been like, I know it's a remake. Yeah. It was French. Yeah. All right, we'll do this. It's got the guy who played Bishop in X-Men, so Yeah. That's where you, yeah, you're probably like, I yeah. know him from somewhere. I knew it. <laughs> French fil- foreign films throw me off because I'm reading the subtitles the whole time because I don't speak languages. Yeah. That was kind of my first, our, our friend of the show and my roommate, Zane, said, he's like, oh, you're really going to enjoy it. They're real actors, like really good performances. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so bad at knowing good performances when it's foreign. You, you I should get I, better I'm at I'm with it. you there, too. Um, I sat there, obviously, for this one. We both watched both films to kind of get into the zone for this one. And I watched the French one. With that same thought, because Zane said he loved it so much, like, you could see real actors. And I was watching, and I'm like, I guess they're good, but this, some, some of this feels like a soap opera. I'm not quite sure if I'm balancing this or basing this on the same thing that I would base a, right. an acting situation on. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a good movie. Um, so let's talk, I'll talk about the upside first. Let's talk about Kevin yeah. Hart. We both just recently saw that. I Should we talk about Kevin Hart? <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that too, because it clearly didn't have an effect, because the box office is still good for him. Um, it was funny, because I went into this thinking, like, I bought my ticket on Wednesday night, didn't pick the seat, there's only three people in the theater at that point in time. When I got to the theater on Friday at 4.30, the theater was packed. And I was like, wait, what the hell just happened? How did these people get here? And it's clear that, I don't know if it's a Hart fan, I don't know if it's a Cranston fan, but it's just a medium. This movie clearly had advertising that was invisible to me. Because I really went in going, it's going to bomb. I haven't seen trailers, I don't see ads, I don't see oh, posters, I, I haven't seen any marketing. And a coworker of mine who is a little bit older was like, Blake, what are you talking about? It's everywhere. Yeah, it is. It, it's they, everywhere. They spent the majority of whatever budget they had on marketing. And I granted something, we'll talk about the exact road to how this film got lost in the, in the weeds a little bit, but I saw that poster everywhere. And that trailer had popped up on a lot of movies that I had seen. I was like, oh, all right, cool. And I wanted to see it. But I had no idea until probably three weeks ago that I, that it was a remake. So I was like, all right, cool, let me go watch the original. I like both of these films. They're, they're simple, kind of cheesy dramedies, if you will. They're very probably both very forgettable, even though for some reason, excuse me, the French one is critically getting much more approved than the, the American one. And I it might just be because it's the original, and this is a four, and it might be sometimes some of the, a lot of the hate on... Kevin Hart as a person, maybe skewering the the ratings a little bit, but the fan is the fanship is high on both ends. The movies aren't that different. They're um, not different at, at all. all. Well, there's some things there's I some. think the notes yeah. that the American audience does. For me, I like I like both. I think overall Omar Sy's character in The Untouchable, his version of Driss, 
um, which Kevin Hart plays Dale, Driss, he does a better acting job overall by himself for that entire, he's basically carrying that entire movie in that one, whereas I think in the American version of Upside, it's the duo of both Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, because they get Brian Cranston a little bit more to do emotionally than they do the French actor. Well, of plays. course you do. You got Brian Cranston, yeah. and unless you want to waste him <laughs> right, in the first 30 minutes of your monster movie. Right. <laughs> and trick an entire movie-going audience right. to see a bad film. Um, but I, and I also think that the French one does a lot of things over stereotypical, and I think I don't know if that's a French uh, like normalcy for films, or if that's a Brit, like British, French, Swedish films do that. But like the the over hitting on the secretary, and then that secretary's like, "Oh, the only reason I'm not dating you is because I'm a lesbian." That just felt. I was like, "Oh, that's kind of ridiculous." Yeah, and they, that's completely removed for the American, I, which is great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first like, oh, yeah, no, we're very different countries because this would not <laughs> This would not fly. Fly. This is an episode of Mad Men that I'm yeah. watching. This man just Incessantly. at one point. Yeah. He just basically kissed I her. drew us a bath. Right. It's like, would come, you like to fuck? Yeah, I'm going to take my clothes off. You should too. And then I made a painting. Let me stick my tongue down your throat. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of... A lot of that. And then you have like the random, the kid angle. A lot of stuff that made Harvey Weinstein want to make that movie. Yeah. That's who was originally, I guess, that film was made and then he picked up the rights and made, distributed it. And then he still had the rights for the American version, which is why The Upside basically was done back in Which is funny because first he related to Driss because he harasses women and now he relates to the other character because he can't move anything. <laughs> yeah. This movie shot on the shelf for a while. This was made back in 2016. It was done in 2017. It premiered at TIFF. And it was rated R when it was at TIFF. Um, and then Harvey got into his situation. <laughs> we'll, we'll say it that way. And uh, he had three films in the pipeline. The other two still have not seen the light of day. And this is the first one that actually come out um, through STX, who's now a new company that's kind of like taken over some the of bad the Bad Moms movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they picked this one up, and this is the first one that it released. They re-edited it to make it PG-13, as opposed to R. The French film was R. This was R. I don't, I mean, this was PG-13. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. It probably might have been an F word or two. They might have let Kevin Hart curse more. Yeah, I can't see There was see no them sex adding... in either of the film that really would have changed that. Yeah, I can't see them adding much. just what it was. Um... But we finally got the release here in January, and it's done well at the box office considering that it's a January release. It dethroned Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's clear that this is one of those movies, the way it's performed and the way, especially we have the Harvey Weinstein stuff, which they've scrapped him from all things, but you also have currently Kevin Hart getting in his own troubles. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's going on an apology tour more so than he is actually kind of talking about the film. Like, he's doing both at once, which is kind of messing up the I waters. I also don't really like apology tour as a word because he's yeah. not a band. <laughs> uh, and there are on the road. Yeah, there's not like merch for his forgiveness. <laughs> there's not like sold out yeah. arenas to be like, oh, he's apologizing to us. Ellen said it's fine. Ellen says it's okay. She speaks for us all. She does not. She doesn't. <laughs> um, Almost anybody, really. Correct. But what this did show me in the way this performed and how it has a cinema score of an A is that the audience doesn't care about the minutia of what happens Once you the get scene. on a plane, you will take off in a city that cares a lot about this controversy and you will fly over 
48 states that don't care before yeah. you arrive at LGA <laughs> and are once again surrounded by people who care. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. and that's, Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate, but it's also fascinating that, like, everyone else, L.A. and New York live in this bubble, and I guess Atlanta a little bit now, live in this bubble, and the rest are like, well, doesn't matter. I still like Kevin Hart, even though he's a problem. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, that's probably part of it. I do think we always talk about separating the art from the artist. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who just don't have that problem. I think there's a lot 100%. of people who are just going to go and 100%. see a movie and not even think about I mean, who they're supporting. I have done it before because, I mean, I still, even though I hate the man, I've still seen Mel Gibson-directed films posting because I think he's a really good director. He's a very problematic man. And I just think sometimes you have to do that. Um, and you pick and choose when you choose to do that. But, like, it's fun how that didn't affect this movie. Um, but I, I enjoyed this movie in the theater, walked out, I was like, oh, that was a feel-good movie. I will probably never talk about this movie again post That's sort of where show. I am. This was I, I kind of walked out and was like, well, that was good. There were good performances. You proved to me that Kevin Hart can, can do more do, than just be loud, yeah. which is you know it's a, a good thing to prove down. at the end of your career because you're a <laughs> bad person. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's well shot. It's well directed. It's written fine. But yeah. there's not really a lot of substance there. No, it's a fluffy I, film. Yeah, I yeah. sort of got into that, like, well, why are we doing this? But I think both of them are, and that's that's That my was opinion. how I felt when I watched the French film, yeah. was I was like, oh, these are two movies that are just sort of snapshots of this person's life and this friendship. And right. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think in terms of a movie that you'll remember or put on a shelf or right. own... It, it doesn't really do much. No. This won't really be in conversations. It won't really be in people's minds. No. It's just very cool. You made a good movie. This is a very good start for a first-time director, and this is not a yes. first-time director directing it. Correct. But that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. It, it's weird. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I won't think about this movie again. I mean, it's a good January release. You get something in, you go out. I also think because we're doing AMC stubs and you have movie pass, I'm a lot less <clears throat> that's hard also on movies part than I normally would be. I yeah. would not have seen this if I didn't have a list. Right. Um, there are some small things that I appreciated about the American version that the French one did not do. One of them specifically. I, I don't know why it's such a simple thing line-wise, but the couple times that Kevin Hart's character, Dale, reminds people to look him in the eye when they speak to him, that just hit me because I was like, oh, that's so important. Well, that was almost what this movie was about. Yeah. This was almost a movie about representation and respect. Right. And it was almost about two characters learning how to respect each other and themselves. Correct. In a way, like you have two characters, one who won't even go on a date because he just doesn't believe yeah. that he'll be accepted with his wheelchair. You have another character who's fighting to get the respect of his family, family. back. And neither of those arcs ever really get deeper beyond no. this and sucks. And it's because both of them have the same kind of flaw of just kind of calling the other one out. So there's not really room for them as people to grow because right. the person they're playing off of is constantly just like, well, get up, idiot. Yeah. Yeah, so when they have that moment while it emotionally plays where they just break stuff in the in the room after his birthday party, I mean, during his birthday party, it doesn't go anywhere for either of their growth. They're both calling each other out on their stuff, but nothing really changes. And then I think this movie does the whole thing, and that's probably it's the problem with the French films, that you just get a neat little bow, like, ha, yeah. don't you feel good? He's still in the same situation he was, but now his... 
caretaker will well, now was, date him. That was the other <laughs> right. That was the other weird part about the movie to me was they made a really big point about the uh, do not resuscitate. Do you know what DNR is? They open up with this problem yeah. after the yeah. structure of starting in the third act, which I don't care for. Just start your movie. Don't it's start f- when it's interesting. It's, and to it's quote worse Rick when and Morty. Both films. Do the exact same one. Like, if that was one of those ones like, oh, you're cheating, but you're cheating and taking the thing that wasn't that good to begin with. Right. And and they're doing that for no reason. Like, you then get to that point and it's like, oh, he is actually just a bad driver. There is no real emergency. There's no real reason to do this. This was just. N- right. And there's no impetus at the point of that scene picking up where that's a smart spot to st- to be in your movie. Yeah, like, there's nothing that really happens It's there. just the fastest part of the movie that gives the illusion of stakes. That's something, right. <laughs> and, that, and there aren't. Correct. Like, this whole movie, is, it's just fine. Yeah. Uh, but they open with this do not resuscitate bit, and it, it feels like it's going to deal with either suicide or quality of life or what is life yeah. or these kind of bigger ideas that aren't really there. They're just sort of tossed about as like things like and, and then are resolved in a scene he's like Same well you want to kill your pains like all of that just kind of just goes away goes away it's not really there and and i will say too the the uh american version of the film and this is even just a difference in filmmaking i think between the two countries gets so much almost zanier like the french one kind of stays at one tone and has these almost my dinner with andre's dialogue moments and the American one has these like hide and I'll buy 14 hot dogs and I'm going to do all this weed and it's going to kind of almost become a Kevin Hart comedy. The one scene that I was like, oh, this was a scene that you put in specifically for Kevin Hart was him in the shower. Because I was like, this doesn't make sense right. for anything else. This, this doesn't precede any type of story within this. This is literally just to see Kevin Hart do Kevin Hart. And I think that's just American comedies yeah, need You this. need a beat like that, though, He's, for an American audience. I don't know that you need it, but I think the perception is that you do. Correct. I think the perception is like, well, we have to get like big and crazy and kooky. Yeah, they're not sophisticated enough to do that. You got to play to the back row. But that's even like a, uh, there's a really good video on a YouTube channel that I can't remember, but it's floating around somewhere that talked about that, where they were like, American comedies will just put the camera still and have you either improv to death Mm -hmm. or just be as kooky as you can be. This movie has a lot of close shots for reasons that don't need to have a close shot. Of, that was my it other... a lot. They, they yeah. do that a lot where they, they try to bake in... And it's like staring. It's not like nothing's even happening. It's just a static shot of a camera. It feels like they're directing this movie to be a lot more emotional than it actually is. Yes. And I don't... I think... I guess it is a bad thing because it's a mismatched tone of dialogue and direction. And I don't think... Right. And I don't think the tone... I'll say this. The character, the actors, both Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart, are doing pretty solid to great work in this. I just think sometimes the direction of the film does them a disservice because it makes the film come off hokier than I think what (coughs) they're putting out there. Right. Well, and it also takes away from this nice friendship. Yeah. Like, it really... And it kind of speeds it up. Like the pacing of them becoming friends is really strange. Mm-hmm. And why he chooses him is very strange. And they do that a lot. I, I even towards the end of the movie, he gets, I get spoiler alert, I guess he gets $50,000 for a painting he's commissioned and then uses that to like upstart a company. But we get no, but he also uses that money to 
buy a house and like, in upstate New York. Right. So I'm confused. Like, and he, starts a tech company that he needs like biomedical engineering right. to do. So where did that actually like? Did he invest in something to get that up, or like I, I or don't understand? Or did he just take out a crazy, crazy loan? loan. That, like, yeah, that didn't make sense. Or I mean, I guess if you were thinking about it, you're doing the process of. Of elimination, if you will. Yes, he probably started a tech company, and based on him making money off of that tech company, he was like, well, maybe I'll get a loan. However, if that's the case, we need to see some of that on screen because it kind of just goes from zero to 100 to kind of resolve his story in a bow before we get to resolving And it's these, like, weird, almost fantastical moments that make the fact that this is a true story feel a little less. Yeah. Like, Green Book, for all of its problems that are happening (laughs) post-release... Yeah. Never got to a point where I stopped believing that this situation could happen. Correct. This movie gets to a place where I'm like, okay, yeah, he rolled in and he bought 30 hot dogs. And then yeah. this, and maybe all this stuff did happen. Maybe he commissioned a painting for 50K. Rich people are crazy. That could be very real. And he started this company. And he, but you cannot convince me that in the 2018 or 19 housing market in upstate New York that you took Fifty thousand dollars. Put a down payment on a home and bought a house yeah. and started a tech company. At the same time, with that, that same in a money. Yeah. incredibly short amount of time Correct. is successful and has employees and clients. Yeah, and you have a you have an office space alone, like that alone. Thriving. Would, yeah, <laughs> um, it's a little too happy of an is, ending. It would be very, like if Green Book ended and they were like, "Well, everybody on the tour loves black people." And racism now. is done. Right. Let's go party. Like yeah. okay. <laughs> Yeah. Me, the guy living in the plantation accepted him? I don't think so. <laughs> We're all here eating chicken. Nope, that's not how this ends. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it is very clean. It's a little too clean at the very end of the movie. Um, but that's... This one does does it cleaner than the French film. They both do a happy bow at the end, but this one is a very Americanized. Like, let's put every all stakes... Well, he, yeah, he goes flying. Yeah. <laughs> he relives the accident, but it's fine yeah. he dates the secretary or whoever and and his family loves yeah. him and he's reconciled with his baby mama and with his <laughs> son and he stole a book but he's just forgiven immediately yeah there was no stakes to that when that happened i was like oh this he's going to let him have him every, get back in this car and then nothing everything was resolved with the just the wave of a hand yeah like yeah. everything, and I and I don't dislike the movie, but now either. that we are talking about it, I'm like, hi, yeah, no, it kind it's of a is very just safe, generic. Fluff. It really just exists to come out in January and to, to January. wash the taste of Escape Room out of my mouth, which was yeah. a bad film that people shouldn't watch. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that last night, so that's fresh in my brain. That's right, that's right. <laughs> oh, I wish we could talk about it, but it's not a remake, and it's so bad. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I mean, but this isn't the first time we've done this, where we remade a foreign film. In fact, we've done it more often than I'd like. Sometimes, and I didn't even know. That I, I always hate when that happens. <laughs> I really do. I we do a whole show about remakes, but whenever I find a movie that I'm like, what an original, <laughs> great idea. And someone's like, did you know it's a French film from the 1930s? And you're like, you son of a My bitch. My life is a lie. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll get to those surprises. Yeah. Um, Oh, I should have just made it a game. I should have just picked a ton of movies, but whatever. Next time when I really produce a show. Um, why do you think we do this? Why not just find the movie in its original market and watch it? Why do we have to dress it up? It's funny because I, I think it's a thing sometimes with when we do uh, like a younger audience won't watch a black and white film because it's just like I my brain 
can't sure. process that. I think that's the way sometimes with American audiences, when they see anything that has subtitles or anything that's super foreign, they're like, nope, I don't have time for my brain to read and do all of this at the same time. I just want it, quote unquote, spoon fed to me as in the easiest possible way that I possibly can. So sometimes they'll take a great story that's done in a, a different market and then like, all right, well, let's Americanize this so we can put the same great story to an audience who has not seen this. Yeah, I think I think it's about finding a new audience. Yeah. Mostly. And unfortunately, I think a lot of movies fail by just making it for an American audience. And it almost starts to feel the way sequels do when it's a cash grab and you're like, yeah. oh, you just did this to find a vehicle for these two actors. Correct. But I think there are successful examples that really did push their genre and the medium and because French filmmaking, German filmmaking, Italian, Swedish. Japan, Korean, American. Yeah. Chinese are all so different mm-hmm. and they have different values and different rating systems and different stories and viewpoints and mythologies to pull from. And when yeah. you really get that kind of texture for a culture and show it to another one, it kind of accomplishes what I think both this movie and Green Book failed to do, which is kind of bring people together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, or it just really proves to you that an audience can handle something. I think one place where the upside kind of did an injustice to an American audience was the French film is a lot more small conversations, a lot more character growth, a lot more like detailed resembling. And this does kind of get up to some like wacky Kevin Hart antics. And Mm -hmm. I think if you had really pushed that envelope and challenged American audiences, we could have either really seen that Kevin Hart is a brilliant actor behind his zaniness or we would have found that we'll accept these kind of movies. Right. And then maybe you get more like this and you have a more success. Like comedy is in a weird place right now because it's doing well again. Yeah. And to now kind of take a successful French comedy and boil it down to something you think we'll accept is is a little redundant and a little, a little moving redundant. backwards. Yeah. It to sucks me. too because I, I just watched um, Can, you For- Can You Forgive Me? And uh, Melissa McCarthy, who is a comedic actress, gives a great dramatic performance and I wish this film while Kevin Hart is a lot more toned down than his normal zany stuff he also is not giving that much emotional depth that I think this would have been the time to kind of like alright you can do a little bit more than what you're giving us it's still it's basically Kevin Hart if you took him off Adderall <laughs> right and that, and that I feel like he could have given us more yeah I think we could, I think everything in this movie could have given us more yeah really it, it's just very it's okay, I think, at the best. But there are movies that are not There's okay. There's some that knock them out of the park when you do foreign to, to American audience. And I think really the biggest area, and I'll start here because I, I have three successes and a failure, is horror. Yeah. Because that is somewhere where you even look at, it's not on my list, but you even look at something like Old Boy. I was going to say, I was thinking about it while we were talking. It's just so yeah. unconventional. It is. But is now beloved yeah. by people in this audience. And when I really look at kind of where horror was in the late 90s and early 1000s as a genre, it Scream was back, mm-hmm. Scary Movie was happening. So we were in this weird mix of like bringing back slasher movies, but also making fun, fun of, of them. them. Yeah. And we were in this weird place where it, it wasn't quite at monster movies and paranormal stuff yet, but we were moving away from slashers and the slasher franchisers were getting we're a little long in the tooth. Yeah. And then we remade The Ring. Yeah. And Japanese horror blew the hell up. <laughs> yeah. And when you look at what they were doing that we weren't doing was 
what we used to do in the 70s and 80s and taking the like, well, what scares people right now? Mm-hmm. Technophobia, zombies, whatever it is. And Japanese horror at that time, and it usually is about home, letting go, family, right. the past, legacy, things that are ingrained in that culture, success yeah. and failure and, and that. And both The Ring and The Grudge kind of did that similarly at the same time. Yeah. One was very scary, and one, one of them, I got yelled at at a theater because I wouldn't stop I laughing, was laughing at so it. Hard, yeah. Somebody <laughs> sat down next to me, and my friend was like, Can you stop laughing? People are trying to watch the movie. And our response was, Why? <laughs> <laughs> there are so many things better to do right now, oh. like laugh. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> that movie. Yeah. But like, that was a good example of something. We would have never made that without the success in that time. And we would Correct. have never pushed our own genre into that movie, The Grudge. A lot of these other, even, what's that Tooth Fairy movie? <laughs> Brittany Murphy did the I'll Never Tell. Oh, yeah. With my, yeah, I forgot. Some of these did. weren't yes, good. Yeah, they were not good. But this really bridged the gap to a lot of, like, Blumhouse stuff. It is. A lot of sinister, yeah. insidious, paranormal activity. None of those would exist without that. None of it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good example of we took something that another country was doing. And flipped it. Spiced it up. Right. And horror is easier than comedy because you is. can be like, will they accept this? It'll fucking scare right. them. Who cares? Yeah. It's like scares are a universal thing. Comedy is kind of dependent on the region. Like UK humor does not always translate into American humor. Right. Um, I think one of like the UK, a, a version of that is Death at a Funeral. They made a UK version of Death at a Funeral, and then an American version with Chris Rock and Martin Lawrence. And the Martin, Lo- they're they're almost the exact same movie. The one with Martin and Eddie just wasn't that well received because you're like, well, right. this comedy doesn't quite translate over here. You like have that with even there. the like dinner with dinner for schmucks and yeah. dinner for morons mm-hmm. and whatever it is. There's a classier version of Correct. it, and then we've got this like Steve Carell, Will <laughs> right. Ferrell, Zane yeah. fest. Um, the other good example in horror, I think, is is one that you brought up, which is Let Me In and Let the Right One In. Yes, I love both of them. They're so good. And that's such a good example of movies that are so similar, but because of the country they're made in, Mm -hmm. are just directed so differently. Like, Let Me In is almost more action-y and jump-scary, and Let the Right One In is really this slow, Slow methodical drama with this horror backdrop that it's unlike anything you'll see here. Yeah. And they're both great. They're both good. They're both really good. Like, that's a movie that anybody says, oh, remakes shouldn't be done. I'm like, well, these two. Hold on. (laughs) Like, these two are great guys. (laughs) I can think of at least five. Because most people, when I do this, they're like, oh, let me guess, most of them shouldn't have been made. And I'm like, you'd be surprised how often I'm like, I'm really glad we did this. I'm good with this. Yeah, I'm happy. (laughs) I'm glad we did this. Sometimes I'm like, ah, this is one where I'm not happy or upset. I'm just like, yeah, who cares? (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah, well, they made the same movie twice. Yeah, it's literally some shots are the exact same. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, and then you get some that are so much worse than this and you get things like The Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai mm, and, yeah which is just one of the most influential movies yeah. and Seven Samurai is like a a, a template now it's for Quentin how Tarantino's to Tarantino's like blueprint <laughs> and even for like a writer director viewer it's the best way to learn how to introduce characters, characters because yeah. it brings in seven people and they all go through the same room yeah. differently yeah. and you're just like that's who those people are the magnificent seven does not do that and instead hopes that you're aware that these are actors are different people <laughs> <laughs> which is the opposite of character design yeah. then you get some that were did you know these ones true lies no and that- some like it hot I did not know either of those. True Lies, when like 
shook me to my core because Shoot is one of my favorite action movies of all time. And now I'm like, James, you are a liar. You everything about you is a lie. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> oh, now yeah. I have to go find that. I know yeah. lots of Dele. Yeah. And fanfare of love for Some Like It Hot, which I need to watch because Some Like It Hot is one of my favorite classic movies. Yes. And I'm just so angry that it's not <laughs> arts. It's so irritating. It's like a King of the Hill bit where you're like, that's not American. Like, damn it. No. <laughs> the Birdcage, another classic. Yeah. That's a remake. Uh, a Fistful of Dollars in Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. 12 Monkeys and La Jette. There's a lot of them. Yeah. I think the other big one that's an Oscar movie is The Departed. That one I knew. Yeah. That one I knew only because I worked at Blockbuster. So when that film came out, they gave us copies of the- Internal Affairs? Yes, at the same time so that we would have both of them Radically side side. different movie. So different. <laughs> <laughs> so that very That one, different. it might not even as well be It's like remake. we took a log line from that and it was like, yeah. we're going to do our own thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. There's so so. What do you think then? I, the only other one I have on here, I'm speeding through them now, is Brick Mansions and District B13. And I only want to bring up District B13 because if you've if you never seen, seen it, it you and yourself. you want to know how they make action movies <laughs> in other countries, oh my god! Yeah, that was pre parkour being a big thing, and it was nuts. That oh. movie was great, and then Brick Mansions came, and no one saw it. Uh, some of it's because of un- untimely death of Paul Walker, but it's just like, no, nope, we're just going to avoid that because it's, it's not at great. that point, parkour had kind of run its course and it would be like, all right, we're now definitely appropriating this version. Yeah, of it's, it's, it's really not worth your time. The in that movie. I was like, what is going on? It's, uh, not, it's <laughs> not worth it. Um, so then what do you think makes, considering that list and the upside, a successful foreign film remake because i don't think we've ever done this on the show yet we've no, never had like a foreign first, yeah, a foreign one foreign to american version we've never done it I, you know movies like true lies that i think takes the the bare bones or the, the meat and the concept of what the foreign film was trying to do and puts an american tone twist or even takes like a fabric of some thought or idea in the foreign film and uses it i think those work better than doing what a lot of Intouchables and Upside does is almost shot for shot uh, translations to an American audience. Yeah. Like there, I watched the Intouchables before I watching Upside and there are literally scenes I'm like, I, I'm now the not upside, sure which movie I saw this from. In they, terms of like foreign films too, the Upside's easy to digest if you're American. Like there are some where you're just like, this is a very correct, Japanese movie. Correct. And it's I, like getting somebody into anime. Like there's some like right. American anime and then there's yeah. like... Anime. And I think that's why, like, something like Eternal Affairs, you wouldn't be able to have translated that to an American audience the way it directly is. Absolutely not. Because American audience is like, I want no parts of that. Um, But when you get it the way that they did, you're like, all right, we're going to take a thread from there and, like, do our own thing. I think those work best. Because here's the thing. The people who care about a foreign to American translation are film goers. And they probably will eventually watch the foreign version. Right. If you're making a movie for the audience that wants to see both or cares about films, then you don't need to make a shot for shot or a direct replica. Make your own thing because eventually they'll see both. Like I'm going to go back now and watch the True Lies one because my my mind's broken. <laughs> I think that's the trick. And if you're going, it falls into a lot of people say this: of if you're going to remake a movie, remake the bad ones and make them good. Correct. And if you're going to do something like The Upside. 
Which I don't know how well it did, and it did. For, it did I, fine. I'm confused. I want to talk about how I'm confused a little bit how French audiences are. It did really well for the French audience. It was like yeah. their number two biggest film ever for a while. There, there you it, go. It did really well. O- Omar won an award. The, the well, version of Oscars for French. Then audiences. I think producers should also not just smell francs, euros. Not sure what and the translate them is. to yeah. dollar signs. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about other countries, and I apologize. <laughs> if you know the currency of France, Please. email us because I don't. Um, but I, that does, I don't think that alone translates. Yeah. So if you're going to do this kind of one to one ratio, I think you should pick the stuff that hasn't been seen as much. If you're not going to do a one to one ratio, I think you look at the Let Me Ins, yeah. the Departeds, the Quarantines, and really take the elements the from that dives. that work yeah. and push us as an American audience. Correct. The same way The Ring did. Like that was such a fucked up movie the when movie I was saw trippy. it. Yeah. I didn't. The image of her in the closet in the opening yeah. stays in my mind to this day. It's cre. I had never seen anything it was something like unseen at that point that. in time. Yeah. So find those. Right. Because then even like I didn't even see Ring You or whatever it's called. There's like four of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it crosses over with the Grudge. Most yeah, there's recently. a Ring Grudge. Yeah. <laughs> Appar- and I've still to this day haven't seen them. And apparently they're even crazier. They and I remember being in high school and someone was like, "You should see." The other one, yeah, they're it's nuts, crazier. Well, I, and I was like, I don't know that I can handle that. We had them all at we because Ring was huge when I was working at Blockbuster, and we had Ringu one, two, and the first three of them. We had I watched two of them. I was like, oh, my brain is not prepared for the, for this. A lot of that horror is nuts. Like yeah. even the I've seen the Grudge original mm-hmm. Grudge, which is just yeah <laughs> insane. Yeah, like it's just on another level of weird and creepy and fucking strange. And then we got this terrible, terrible film. And we're gonna get it again. <laughs> and it keeps coming. Why? Yeah. So that, yeah, that's what, and I think that is ultimately why I think as a movie, this is a is successful. It was good. It was well made. It was yeah, fine. Well I made. don't. It's not gonna win awards. It's I don't not. think it'll last the test of time. No. But it was a good movie. I think as a remake. It kind of fails because I watch these back to back and I watch the Untouchables this morning. And I, as soon as I turned it on, I was like, oh, it's just the same thing. Mm-hmm. Why bother? That's my brain, too. Because, like, I was like, oh, we're doing the car scene, the exact, oh, God, oh, we're yeah, doing this like, same thing. And for me, honestly, they're not going in expecting audiences to have seen both films. They're expecting this audience, this one, to be fresh and new for everyone else. But if you've seen, that film, The Untouchables, did well enough that there are a lot of American audiences that are aware of that film. If you're trying to go in to watch both of these, this is, feels a little cheap at times. There right. are moments where I'm like, oh, when they do the opera scene, and I'm like, oh, God, this is the exact same beat. It's also, right. It <laughs> is also a true story, so I get that there's, like, things you have to do. Which reminds me, before we get all the way done with this episode, I do want to say something, because I know it may come up. <laughs> both films choose to make Dale and Driss black. At the end of Untouchables, the man who actually in real life is the caregiver to I noticed this. is Arab. He's an Arab man. So I don't know why you would and turn him black and then do it again for an, an American audience. At like first he, I was like, oh, is he just a light-skinned African-American <laughs> person because I'm a white man who doesn't know how these things work? <laughs> nope. It's like, no, not he even. He just chose to like take... Like we're not going to find an Arab actor because apparently we can't do that. We'll find a black British. I mean, a black French. Look, if do it Disney and then do it can't again. find people, hey, to- <laughs> we're doing this Aladdin with 
and Will Smith and some people we found on the street. Screw it. <laughs> yeah, that was a, it's a weird choice. So that's a weird thing to do, and I think it's weird that the American movie then copied that exact same thing. Well, that also explains... When you changed it. Because <laughs> they, they, like, flirted with racism in both these yeah. movies. Like, they were just sort of like, you know, I also have trouble being accepted. <laughs> in yeah. this, like, very weird, like, Tax Avery joke bit like, where they're wait, almost, wait. like, bump... Yeah, they're, like, nudging you to be <laughs> yeah. like, because he's black. <laughs> Um, which I found very odd, but now that kind of explains it because mm-hmm. they can't add a, you know, something that character didn't <laughs> go through. Also, and I know we're furious at Green Book, but should we not be furious we at should. this movie? We should. <laughs> We've changed you. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> for two Twice. different countries. <laughs> One day we'll make it for the UAE, and maybe we'll see then. <laughs> Until that day. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What, uh... Do you have a favorite foreign film remake? Ooh, foreign film. And I'll, I'll ask film. you, do you, of the list, do you have a favorite that was remade, or one where you're like, I loved that foreign film, and the American one didn't love up, and do you have a, just a favorite one of these subgenre we've made? I mean, the Let Me, the let me In... That's right. That's easily my it's favorite. So That's good. just brilliant. Um, the one that I really enjoyed, the foreign version, was Old Boy. And I, as a Spike Lee apologist, a lot of the times more so than not, um, <laughs> uh, that Old Boy movie was not good at all. That's true. <laughs> um, and so I don't know what he was trying to get in. And I, and I just think that, that the audience also in the foreign film is a little bit more prepared for the twist like he handles it a lot more awkwardly in the american version yeah. just doesn't work as well um so though that's my like the let me let the right one in let me in that's my foreign love of both i love both of them and then the old boys the one i was like e, i if i'm watching one i'm watching that one do you have a, a genre that you prefer to see remade i have two for that one i don't know i gotta go see true lies to see if it might, might be the action comedy sequence but um i would say Horror seems to be the genre that creates the best chance of succeeding or giving me the most, oh, I didn't see that coming, Um, especially if you're doing like from Japanese or Hong Kong, like those kind of films. Um, And I, that's, I would like, I don't think we've done a version because one of my favorite foreign horror movies is High Tension. There is not an American version of that if, and I think that's either French or one either French or Swedish. Don't I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't screw. Don't hate me. But I would like to see something like that remade for a current audience or for an American audience. But I think horror is the easiest to kind of like get away with doing things and taking liberties. Right. I think yeah, horror is definitely one of my my other favorite genre to have this happen to are gangster movies. Your Internal Affairs of Departed yeah. and your District B thirteen. And so another why just reason to B thirteen and Brick Mansions is a utter failure. Yes. Is there's no gangster, there's no gangster threads yeah. in that movie, um, but it's because the way we look at gangs and gangsters and mob mentalities is so different in other countries that when you see them try to pull these threads, it's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, And then horror, I feel like I've I've rung that home, but my favorite is The Ring. And my least favorite is District B-13 to Brick Mansions because I love B-13 so much. And And that movie is so bad. (laughs) It's horrible. Yeah. It's just horrible. Well, that's our show, guys. Thanks for listening. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Hollywood ADI on Instagram at Hollywood already did it. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Hollywood already did it. I'm at, as always, Blake and Terrence is at Terrence Tatum and we do 
another show every Friday called One More Drink, and I do a show called How Do You Figure every whenever Justin puts it up <laughs> weekly uh, about toys. <laughs> so enjoy those. Later. Goodbye. <laughs>